Romans 13, if you'll stand as we read the first seven verses, Romans 13, beginning in verse number one. Yes, we have made it out of chapter 12, Romans 13. I think this is an important, um, what, what chapter, what verse is not, but um, boy, in the times in which we are now living, um, I think there's going to be some things that are going to be very um, timely to where we are as a people, as a nation, as a country. Um, I don't know if your Bible has headings, but mine says, Obey authorities, love your neighbor, and put on Christ. I don't know what yours says. That sounds pretty good. Romans 13, verse number 1, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger, to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore you must, or ye must, needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's Ministers attending continually upon this very thing, render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Father, we thank you as we once again bow before you for this day, for this place, for your word, Um, Father, for a hunger a desire to know, and not only to know, the Bible's not only to be believed, but it's also to, to, be, to be performed and to be done, um, so to be accomplished in our lives. And so, Father, we desire that would be a reality um, for us this day and every day that we might do, as we've said this morning already, all that we do to the glory of God. We pray for those who are not with us this morning. Pray that you would um, work in those circumstances, situations, that you would provide, Father, healing where it's needed, that you would provide comfort where it's needed, Uh, Father, strength, whatever the need may be. You are our supply. You are our God. We look unto you. We, we, without you, can do nothing. So, Father, we we look unto you and depend upon you. Um, We ask that you would aid us, that you would provide for us. Uh, Help us to seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things, Father, that you've said in your word that you would supply. We ask, Father, that you would grant those things unto us. Help us to look unto you in everything. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So Romans chapter 13, um, the division that we have in the chapter really uh, finds itself in the first seven verses. And so we'll begin this morning looking at those and seeking to define the Christian's duty 
to the state's authority, the Christian's duty to the state's authority. You know, when we speak about authority, it's not just within the realm of the state, is it? Um, You heard Lydia say to me this morning as we were going back and forth about that hymn that I thought was already established before we went to bed last night. Um, She said to me, whatever you, you know, want to do. And that's right, and that's good. Um, I know we can joke, you know, back and forth at times, but when it comes to authority, you know, there is a parental authority. Um, You know, the children are to uh, exercise, you know, that 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 respect that is due under that authority. Let me just say, and I, I heard this when I was a kid, that, that bears you know repeating. If if you rebel against authority, you're going to have trouble your entire life. God has set up authority upon the earth for purpose, and we kind of see it here, don't we? We read it about it, didn't we? Um, so when we speak of authority, we could venture into areas between the husband, the wife, between children and parents, other places that we could go. You know, we see in Scripture, we see relationships between a slave and their master. Uh, and that did not change when that slave became a Christian. That relationship continued. He was still a slave. He was now a born-again slave, but he was still a slave, you know, and he still worked for, you know, his master. Let's say that he was, you know, kind of like in our country, people came, you know, from Europe over here, and the way they got here where their passage was paid, you know, was they became an indentured servant to the person who paid their fare, at least for maybe a period of time. Um, So, you know, we see some of that in Scripture, don't we? And we see authority, you know, between different uh, people within the context of, of Scripture that fits within what we have presented to us in the very first verse, which is this phrase about higher powers. So is there a power higher than you? You know, I'm talking about in natural order of things. Well, yes, in the sense of parents, in the sense, you know, in other senses, we have have bosses. You know, Donnie has somebody that he has to answer to. Um, You know, the buck doesn't stop, you know, there. It doesn't stop at my desk either, even though my last name is the same as the name of the company. It doesn't stop with me. My brothers may ask me what I think about something, but it's their business. It's not mine. You know, it stops with them. You know, they have to make those determinations, those decisions. And we lean upon Dad, you know, a lot. Um, and I've I said something to Dad today about, you know, I, you know, he's already had to walk there. And, Nita, you've already had to walk there. A lot of you have already had to walk there where you've lost, you know, your parents. I haven't had to walk there yet. And I was speaking to him about that this morning, you know, and about the fact that I'm being reminded of the fact that I'm going to have to likely walk there you know, because he's in the hospital this morning, you know, so I'm being reminded that he's getting older. I'm being reminded that the flesh is weak. I'm being reminded that there's a day appointed for man wants to die. You know, I'm being reminded of these things, and there'll come a time when I'm going to have to stand without having that support that I've known all of my life. You know, 53 years still, he's there, and my mom is there, and it's like when I first started speaking here, when I first started preaching here, there was somebody else who was there. There was a pastor, you know, of the church who was there, um, you know. And so the ultimate responsibility, you know, for everything was falling just upon my shoulders, you know. It was There was somebody there, you know. There was somebody I could talk to. Uh, 
Um, there was somebody that I could counsel with. Not that I don't have people that I can still, you know, do that with, but you can understand, you know, whenever I was in my 20s and they first started asking me to do some of these things, they were still here. Then there came that one Sunday when that pastor had resigned and I was here and there was no one, you know. Um, but thankfully, the Lord brought some other pastors into my life, you know, at that point. So we think about these contexts of higher powers. There, there are people in our lives, every one of us, there are people in our lives that are in a position, you know, of authority, you know, over us. Um, and you may say, well, my parents have, have gone now. I don't have my, there's not that parental authority there. I'm sure there's still things that come to your mind they said to you, and that authority still exists upon that plane, you know, in a, in a way. But like I said, for all of us, there's still authority. I don't, so next week, next week is Cheryl's last week. She retires for the second time. She retires. And so she won't have to answer to those people anymore. But every time she gets behind the wheel of her car and she drives down the road, she's responsible to other authority. Even though that authority doesn't exist anymore, there's other authority. There's a speed limit to be obeyed, and how many times we've all seen you're going down the road and somebody sees an officer. They're all driving the speed limit, but they see the officer and they slow down. You know, they don't continue to go the speed limit. They slow down under the speed limit. And I have to wonder, is there something in that car? <laughs> Do they have a record? You know, they're being wanted. You know, there's this warrant out for their arrest. You know, what is the reason? Um, I think a lot of times people just aren't paying attention. They see the police officer and like, oh, I better see what, how fast I'm going. Uh, but there's authority, you know, there isn't there. We, we, we are citizens of the United States. There's authority, you know, there, whether it's from the mayor, you know, of the city that we live in and the police department, sheriff department, you know, to the governor, you know, we could just keep going. Um, ultimately, all of us are under the authority of God. You know, we can say that if nothing else, can't we? So in our recent studies in chapter 12, Paul has been dealing with our with relationships in a way, there's our relationship to one another, you know, as believers in the body of Christ. You know, we, we've dealt with that. Um, and then we got into our relationship with those outside of the church just most recently. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. You know, vengeance doesn't belong to you. As much as possible with you, you're to, you're to keep, you know, the peace uh, if it's possible. So, you know, we've, we've run through some of those things in relationships. Now we're getting into, you know, some people look at chapter 13, they say, well, this is just, where, where'd this come from? You know, Paul just kind of brought this out of nowhere. You know, all of a sudden we've got the state involved, you know, what are we doing here? Well, no, it's relationships that we've already been dealing with. Now there's the relationship with, with government, you know, with, with those who are in authority over us in that sense. So, so that's, that's really where Paul is, is taking us. Uh, in, in a logical progression through, you know, one another in the church to those outside of the church. And now, you know, we're talking about the state uh, and its authority. You know, out, out of everything, you know, we, we, that we read this morning in, in verses 1 through 7, you know, was there any part of that that just really grabbed a hold of you? Anybody? Because I'll tell you what did me. Um, the second part of verse number one. For there is no power but of God. That I would like to sink in a little bit. I know you know that. 
I know you know this is a reality, but I would like that to sink in this morning a little bit. There is no power but of God. You know, Cohen sends us, I know he gets tired of me picking on him probably, but but he sends us these texts, you know, in a bad storm, and I, I'm, I'm glad that he does, you know. I appreciate that. But, and that's some pretty incredible power, isn't it? You think about wind, rain, hail, lightning, you know, all the things that are associated, you know, with, with that. That's power. There is no power but of God. When the hurricane comes into the Gulf, there is no power but of God. When someone that you may not have voted for comes into a position, you know, of authority, there is no power but of God. Um, you know, if, if, we, if we are wrongfully accused, if we are um, taken into custody, if we are imprisoned, you know, for what we believe, there is no authority but of God. If, if we are, are fired from our jobs, there is no authority but of God. How many places could we take this? There is no power but of God. So we could take it in so many different, different ways, but, but um, this even includes corrupt power. There is no power but of God. It even includes corrupt power, doesn't it? Um, there, there is a saying that, that goes like this. You've heard it. Absolute power, what, corrupts absolutely? And, and we see that, don't we, within men, but that is not true with God. And men do not have absolute power. Really, right? I mean, we can, we can say that and we understand what people mean by it when they make the statement because you've got a person in a position of authority, but actually he does not have absolute power. God has absolute power. And God is not going to be corrupted. He is incorruptible. So that can be true in a sense with men. We understand that, but not with God. There is no power but of God. And the powers that be are ordained of God for our good. Now, I know that one of the places that our minds will run is going to be towards corrupt power. But remember, it's not only written here. I mean, Romans 8.28 still applies. God causes all things to work together for the good of those who, you know, love God and the called according to his purpose. So even corrupt powers, can we understand all of these things? I mean, God allows this person who's corrupt to continue and remain in power. I, I can't explain that, but I can tell you that he's not going to be there any longer than God permits him to be. He couldn't rule five seconds Five milliseconds. I, mean, I don't know what, what is, help me out, Donnie, what is the shortest amount of time? A nanosecond? A nanosecond? Okay. Yeah, that's not the smallest. Zero would be the smallest, right? He couldn't rule at all, you know, apart from God. He could not rule at all apart from Him. So isn't that comforting? We talk about the sovereignty of God, but it is such a comforting reality. I know there's things that we don't understand that happen, but it does not negate the fact that God is in absolute control. It does not negate the fact that he's over all things, and that is the reason why when Cohen sends that text message to me that there is a bad storm coming, 
and this one's likely to have hail and likely to have this or likely to have that, that I don't just lose my mind, you know, and say, what am I going to do? You know, and, and run around like Chicken Little saying the sky is falling, right? Um, you know, why don't I do that? I have, I have some assurance. I mean, if, 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 if my house is destroyed, if my life is taken, you know, God's still in control. You know, when Paul's neck was on the chopping block, what was on his mind? You know, God's permitting this. This could not happen. My life could not be taken from me if God did not permit it. Could not happen. Could not happen. Paul said, I was, I'm chained, but the gospel's not. You know, he told us that. There's no power but of God. I, want, I really want that to soak in. Um, consider who this letter's being written to. What's the title of the book? I mean, these people are under Roman occupation, right? <clears throat> not very pleasant to be occupied by a foreign power. Not, would not be your first choice. The Ukrainian people, you know, didn't ask for that. Didn't say, oh, sure, come on in, you know, be glad. So can you imagine what kind of chaos there would be if God had not established authority and power in different places? I mean, you, we see what chaos there is, it seems like, but what chaos there really would be. I mean, we, we've seen what's happened in some of the Democrat-run cities, cities where they've, they've drawn back, you know, the presence of the police. I mean, we see the importance of that, that power, that authority, you know, that's there, that deterrent, you know, that exists. You know, evil people, it's in their hearts to do it, but <clears throat> they see the police officer and it may deter them, you know, from, and the, 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 the state doesn't bear the sword in vain. It has authority invested in it by God to be able to carry out and, and, and we, we had the word avenge, you know, in chapter 12 from the perspective of God. He's going to carry out his vengeance. In chapter 13, we have this word revenge. And we're not there yet, but, you know, it tells us that there is an authority that God has established upon the earth that is responsible for, in a sense, keeping the peace. We have peace officers, right? So they're there for a purpose. And this is, this is relevant to us, um, you know, talking about this being to those that were under Roman occupation, you know, we're, we're under authority here that seems to be, you know, corrupt, you know, absolutely. Um, God's placed us here. Where could you be? You could be in China. You could be in Iran. You could be in Russia. Uh, and there are corrupt powers in those places too. And, and Christians that are dealing with things that we don't have to deal with, you know, here. Um, but again, there is no power but of God. And the church continues to flourish in spite of them seeking to put out you know, the fire and put out the flame. So for these people, it was Rome. For us, it's the U.S. For others, it's the U.K. For others, it's China. For others, it's Russia. For others, you know, it's, like I said, Iran or some other places maybe. 
But no matter what may be happening around us, again, like I said, I want this to soak in. And I'm not even really preaching on this part of it, but I couldn't get beyond it in my mind. In a sense, there is no power but of God. I mean, ask Daniel. There is no power but of God. And I looked at Carolyn when I said Daniel, because she has a Daniel, you know. But, you know, look at Daniel. He's in the lion's den. The mouths of the lions are stopped. There is no power but of God. Do lions have power? Yeah. They proved that power, didn't they, after Daniel was taken out and the other men were thrown in? It says that the lions had mastery over them before they even hit the ground. They were torn to pieces. Um, ask Job. There is no power but of God. I mean, Job didn't have the perspective that, that, that we get to have initially when his story begins. You know, we see this, have you considered my servant Job? Job didn't really have that perspective, but there is no power but of God. I mean, it, it comes to the, the point where he says what? The Lord giveth. There is no power but of God. Just throw a little fresh light on that statement. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. There is no power but of God. You ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Ask Moses. Ask Israel in Egyptian bondage. Ask Joseph. Ask Jonah. Ask David. Ask Samson. There is no power but of God. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 39, God says, See now that I, even I, am he, and there is no God with me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. Neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. There is no power but of God. For I lift up my hand to heaven and say, I live forever. Remember what the Lord said? My life, I give. No man takes it from me. There is no power but of God. If I wet my glittering sword and mine hand take hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to mine enemies, and I will reward them that hate me. I will make mine arrows drunk with blood, and my sword shall devour flesh. And that with the blood of the slain and of the captives from the beginning of revenges upon the enemy. Rejoice, O ye nations, with his people. For he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance to his adversaries and will be merciful unto his land and to his people. And Moses came and spake all the words of this song. That's a song, right? Of this song in the ears of the people, he and Joshua, the son of Nun. N-U-N, not N-O-N-E, right? He wasn't the son of no one. He was the son of none. So ultimately, the only one who possesses inherent authority is God. Or we could say imminent authority. He possesses authority. Authority belongs to him. Just like vengeance is his, authority is his. It doesn't belong to anyone else except unto whom he lends it, but authority in and of itself is God's. It belongs unto him. The authority that God possesses is his eternal right. It belongs to him. Nothing moves above, nothing moves below, apart from his authority or that authority. And he does no disservice to his creatures, imposing upon us obligations as our creator, because all authority belongs unto him. 
He has the authority to command our obedience and our submission to him. It is he who made us, the psalmist said, and not we ourselves. That's Psalm 100, verse 3. So God's authority rests in himself. It is his and his alone over the entire world, over the entire universe, everything that exists within it. All other authority we experience has been delegated by God. One of Brother R.C. Sproul's statements, there is not one maverick molecule in the universe. I like that. There is not one maverick molecule in the universe. There's not one thing that can muck everything else up. There's not one thing that can do whatever it wants. There's not one thing that possesses its own authority apart from God and can just randomly create and do whatever it wants to create or do. No, not one. God's over all. The government of the universe is God. The stars are where they are. God placed them there. They haven't, they haven't tumbled out of the sky to the earth. The sun hasn't gotten too close to scorch the earth and consume it. It's all under the authority of God. You know, God didn't just take the earth and spin it like a top, and one day it's going to run out. You know, it'll run out of its own steam. No, God continues. Everything is held together by the word of his what? Anybody? Power. By the word of his power. His authority. It's his authority. And he has appointed his only begotten son as king of kings and lord of lords. Scripture says the father has given unto the son all authority under heaven, on heaven and on earth. At the end of his life, the president of the United States, and there's been many, will stand and give an account to the king of kings and lord of lords. He will stand before Jesus Christ and be held accountable for how he held his office. The Senate, the House of Representatives, and all such authorities will be answerable to the king because all authority is his. The king or queen of England, the chairman of China, all will be held accountable by God. We live in a kingdom where the supreme authority is God. And that authority is vested in Jesus Christ. Remember Psalm 2? Why do the heathens rage? Why do the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens who possesses all authority, right? All powers is. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them. It's a scoffing laugh at these men that are gathering themselves together against God and against his people. The Lord shall have them in derision. Think about Nebuchadnezzar. And I will read a passage about him in a moment. He's on my mind because that passage is there. But you think about him stepping out there and saying, look at this Babylon, look at this that I've created, look at this that I've done. And God removes his very reason from him, and he goes out into a field and begins to eat grass like an animal. Um, the Lord shall hold them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. 
He says, yet I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord hath said to me, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish from the way when his wrath is kindled. But a little blessed are all they that put their trust in him. God's ordained judges. We don't hear very often of a judge being judged, but all judges will be judged. They will all be judged one day. All those who've had held positions of authority. You know what? We've held positions of authority, haven't we? I'm not just talking about being a supervisor, which at one time sure was. I'm not talking about only the workplace. Think about the home. Um, you know, Donnie, you and I, as, as husbands and fathers, you know, and Brother Wiseman, you know, we've, and even mothers, we've held positions of authority. Those of us who, you know, we have children. You know, we've held positions of authority. You know, you're the owner of a business. You hold a position of authority. Um, you know, Andrew has been put in a position that he's not really wanting right now. <laughs> but we've moved one guy up to a supervisor, and, and they've moved Andrew in another position of authority, and he'd rather really not be there. But the people who are in authority are like, oh, yeah, you're going to be there. And he said something to one of them Friday. He's like, not if I leave. <laughs> I won't be in that position if I leave. Um, But I've encouraged him. You know, the Lord's able to grant grace. It's hard when you're younger than the guys that are working for you, you know, sometimes to to be that, and that's kind of where he's at. But but think about authority. Think about a corrupt authority. Think about unwanted authority. Um, Think about Daniel. In, in, in the instance with Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, right? Then Daniel in Daniel 4.19, whose name is Belshazzar, was astonished for an hour, and his thoughts troubled him. The king recognized, okay, I've asked you to interpret this dream, but I think you've gotten an answer, and you just don't want to tell me. You know, in a sense. The king spake and said, Belshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation thereof trouble thee. So Belshazzar answered and said, My Lord, the dream be to them that hate thee in the interpretation thereof to thine enemies. The tree that thou sawest, which grew and was strong, whose height reached unto the heaven, and the sight thereof to all the earth, whose leaves were fair, and the fruit thereof much, and it was, or in it was meat for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and upon whose branches the fowls of the heaven had their habitation. It is thou, O king. Thou art grown. And become strong, for thy greatness is grown and reacheth unto heaven, and thy dominion to the end of the earth. And whereas the king saw a watcher and a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, You the tree down and destroy it, yet leave the stump of the roots thereof in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven. Can you hear what's being said there that's coming upon Nebuchadnezzar? Let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beast of the field till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king, 
And this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the King. You, you, you see what we're looking at here in Romans 13 when we get down to verse number 7. And we read in verse number 7 where it says, Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to him, tribute is due, custom due, custom is due, fear to him, fear is due, honor to him, honor. And you see the relationship between Daniel, who's been taken into captivity, towards Nebuchadnezzar, don't we? We see that very thing there. He says, This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the king that they shall drive thee from men and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field and they shall make thee to eat grass as an oxen and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven and seven times shall pass over thee till thou know. Here's this knowing again, right? Not a coincidence that we were in Luke and we come across this, the subject already, right? Until thou know. that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it. Here's this authority. There is no power but of God and giveth it to whomsoever he will. And whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee after that thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule. You, you think about servants and you think about people who are in a place where they could usurp that authority and may have desired to usurp that authority. And God's saying here, your kingdom's assured. This man has gone, you know, bananas. And he's out in the field eating grass like an ox. And they continue. You know, this is their king. (laughs) It's incredible, isn't it? Um, And his reason does ultimately return unto him. Did they take this to heart? Did they hear what Daniel was saying? They say, okay, this is going to happen. God said this is going to happen, but... His reason's going to return to him, and he's going to return as king. You know. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, and he, he's, he's calling him to repentance. Do we see this here? And break off thy sins by righteousness. I mean, this is, this is Nineveh territory in my mind. You know, here comes Jonah running in and saying, look, Nineveh is going to fall. I mean, that's the decree of God. And what does the ruler do? He says, everybody, stop what you're doing. Put on sackcloth and ashes. Repent and cry out to God that he might have mercy upon us. This is what Daniel's calling Nebuchadnezzar to. He says, break off thy sins by righteousness and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. All this came upon, verse 28 says, the king, Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace. So this is 12 months from the time Daniel speaks to him. Walks in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? And while the word was in his mouth, Remember the, the, the one who spoke, you know, um, what king was it that spoke and worms ate him up at that moment? Was it, um, was it Agrippa? No, it wasn't Agrippa, was it? Who was that? Anyway, you know, the words in his mouth. 
And this falls upon him. While he's speaking, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee. And they shall drive thee from men. And thy dwelling place shall be with the beasts of the field. And they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen. And seven times shall pass over thee until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. And the same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men and did eat grass as an ox. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven and mine understanding returned unto me and I blessed the Most High and I praised and honored him that liveth forever whose dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth and none can stay his hand or say unto him what doest thou? At the same time, my reason returned unto me, and for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and my Lord sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. Isn't that an incredible account that we see there? There is no power but of God. We know who rules over the rulers of this world, don't we? They can go so far, kind of like the waves on the ocean, but they can go no further, except God permits. And God will require an accounting of themselves. I'm not making light of this. This is kind of something from my past, but it has greater bearing here. You've heard the term before, with great power comes. Anybody? Great responsibility. Yes. So judges will be judged. Here's power. Here's authority. Kings will be judged. Here's power. Here's authority. Parents. Bosses. There's power. There's authority. There's responsibility towards God. Nebuchadnezzar found that out, didn't he? So with great power does come great responsibility. It comes in the form of an accountability of these rulers to God. You know, we spoke last week about God taking vengeance. Um, one of those ways we see here, just in kind of dealing with this as a whole in these seven verses, we have the authority of the government. And the sword that's not, not, they don't bear the sword in vain. They have authority. God's given them authority. I mean, even to the, even to the point of capital punishment, um, there's authority they've been given there. So it is authority they've been given, but it is authority they must bear responsibly. Every excess use of force and every neglect of use of that force will be judged. They will be held accountable for. So Paul's telling us that our relationship with the powers that be, you know, they're there for our good. Our relationship since becoming Christians hasn't really changed in, in, in one sense with authority, except that we ought to be better, you know, citizens than we were before uh, we were converted. My parents are my parents still. 
you know, we had some of that in Scripture, you know, where the Pharisees were telling their children, tell their parents, you know, well, since you've been dedicated to God, you don't have to listen to your parents anymore. You're not under their authority anymore. You're under the authority over here of the church, you know. Um, so we, we're not without examples, you know, of that sort of thing within, you know, Scripture. Paul tells, there, there must have been a reason for Paul to tell children in Ephesians 6.1. You recognize Ephesians 6.1? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is right. In the Lord, right? So there, we see even there, there's an end to an authority, whether it be the state or it be a parent or it be a husband. Maybe the husband tells his wife, you can't go to church. He's an unconverted husband telling his converted wife, you cannot go to church. Can she disobey her husband in that sense? Yes. God's told her, gather yourselves together. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. A parent tells a child to do something that's against what God said. Can that child disobey their parents in that sense? Yes. Yes. The state tells us to do something that God says not to do. Can we rebel against, in a sense, the, the state? Yes. You know, we can. Um, so there's an end to that authority that God gives it. If it exceeds that position it's been given, then you know, it, it, it no longer has that authority over us. It becomes really our duty to neglect what they're telling us to do that we cannot do. So can we see past such authorities, even corrupt authorities, and see the authority that stands behind them? Yeah, that's the question. Can we see the authority that stands behind the authority that's on the earth, that authority being God? You know, we need to be able to see that authority. Um, Luke 18, 7 says, Shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? Uh, will not God judge? Will not the God of, 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 of all the universe, will not, will not God do what is right? Yes, he will. He will do what is right. So this, these things just in a way of, of we're, we're, we're out of time, even in the normal place that I would, that I would stop. Um, Seeing the authority behind the authority, you know, seeing the authority there is what God has ordained. Rebelling against that authority in the sense that we should obey that authority is really rebelling against God because it is God's authority uh, that we're rebelling against. But um, here's a passage for you. First Peter two thirteen and 14. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake whether to the king as supreme or to governors as those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. That tracks with what we're reading here, you know, in Romans 13, 1 through 7. <clears throat> so we're not called to be anarchists. <laughs> you know, we're not raging against the machine and, and, and rebelling against, you know, all forms of authority. No, you know, we're, we're, we're called to be obedient subjects to that authority until that authority does something or says something that God says that we should not do or should do. Um, so in verses 1 through 7, as we look at the chapter itself, it deals with our attitude towards the state. 8 through 10, we see back again to a, a reminder in a sense of our, of our love towards our neighbor being reasserted. Verses 11 through 14 being an appeal to remember that we are strangers and pilgrims in this world, um, that we belong to a realm that is, you know, to come. 
But we're not called to be hermits either. We're called to be heralds. We are heralds of the truth. We are heralds of the light. We're the salt of the earth. So, in these first seven verses, what we'll be looking at is what is our duty to the state and what is the state's duty, you know, towards, you know, us. That's really kind of in a, a nutshell, you know, what we're going to be, be looking at. And like I said, this has all just been really in a, in a sense of some introductory comments to these, uh, to these verses that we'll be looking at a little more closely. And uh, you may have some things that you've been wrestling with in regards to this, and hopefully, you know, those things through these, these series of messages will be, be answered. So God's ordained these things for a purpose. We may not always understand them, but he's ordained them for a purpose, and there is no authority but from him, God's overall. <clears throat> so we, we submit ourselves. For conscience sake, even, we read there in those first seven verses, because there is no authority but of God. God is over all, and aren't you glad that he is? Aren't you glad that he is? Satan's not running things. Um, the President of the United States is really not running things. Um, I know y'all could, I, yeah, I know. As soon as I said that, I thought, you know, there's going to be another way that's taken. But think of the best president you've ever known. He's not running things. You know, God is. So, oh man. Well, well let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's, let's stand and we'll.